G-Swiz here, top of the hour, Wednesday, March 16th. You're watching Market Call. I am Guy Adami. I'm joined by Carter Worth. And before the show started, our crack producer, Amanda Diaz, told me that some of you folks out there are playing Market Call or Guy Adami Bingo. So get your cards ready, suckers, because we're coming at you today. Today's episode is brought to you by FactSet, financial data and analytics powered by tomorrow. And of course, Open Exchange because they manage the virtual meetings that matter for the top companies around the world. I got to tell you something, Carter Worth, a lot of things going on over the last 24 hours. Bit of a market rally early today, seemingly giving it up a bit, but we'll see what transpires over the next 30 minutes. By the way, we're putting 30 minutes on the clock. Carter, how are you? I'm good, and I got a bison behind me here. So that's, uh, well, I was going to mention that. I was going to mention that. You beat me to the punch as usual. I'm just letting you folks know that Carter is coming off the set of Yellowstone. Kevin Costner asked him to join in the festivities, which is why he has the bison behind him. It is a lovely picture, by the way. The solitary bison on some field somewhere in Montana. Beautiful. Yes, and the largest land animal in North America ever, even bigger than the polar bear. These are big suckers. (laughs) And they go where they want to (laughs) go. I bet you, I guarantee nobody had bison on their bingo card, but that's why we play the game. So, Carter... Let's take a look at our first chart. Let's talk about the market here today. Obviously getting a bounce. I think part of the bounce today is on the back of seemingly maybe tensions are dissipating a bit. Russia, Ukraine, there seems to be something in place for a potential peace treaty, whatever people are calling it. I think that's part of the rally. Could also be that maybe we're coming off an oversold condition. But, you know, I look at this, Carter, and I don't think a lot has changed. No, and, and two things about it. One, when you have such opening strength as to leave a, a gap behind, we have an unfilled gap from today's opening pop. And today's opening pop and follow-through strength filled a gap, the only one unfilled above since the high from exactly three weeks ago. So do we have to back and fill or fill the, today's unfilled gap? Presumptively. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm happy that we put the 150-day in there because that's your bogey. And I will tell you, that that's effectively been a trend line since the fall of last year, if you look at it. But for the first time in quite some time, and I just want you to speak to this quickly, that is not only flattening out, but it's rolling over. And typically these things don't, I mean, they don't unresolve themselves. They continue this formation. And I'm just curious your thoughts. The last time we sort of turned up, you could say it was back in October, and you saw we had basically a year or so of an unabated rally, October of 2020, by the way. And now here we are. So just your thoughts in terms of that trading or that trending lower. Well, that's right. So is it a reversal in trend? Or first, is the uptrend intact? No. The uptrend's not only under pressure, it's no longer in an uptrend as defined by our automated trend line. That's all that a moving average is. You can draw a trend line or you can automate it with a moving average. The 150-day moving average is flat and ever so slightly downward sloping. And that is the definition of a reversal. Now, do all reversals mean you have to drop 30 and 40, 50%? Of course not. But what it does mean is that there's a period of distribution going on since January versus the period of accumulation since the pandemic low. Let's take a look at the cues because obviously it's going to be a very similar chart. I would submit, and I think you would agree with me, that this one actually looks worse than the prior chart, the SPY. But you know, talk to me here because I think 
Listen, I look at it this way, Carter. If you're looking to figure out what's going to happen to our prior chart, I think all you need to do is look at what's happening here. For whatever reason, the Qs, the triple Qs, as they say, has been leading. And now you're in a very, in my opinion, a pretty well-defined downtrend with 150 day that is not only flattened out, but is trending lower. Right. And you can actually draw a perfect trend line from the peak of two, three months ago, and it connects with today's rally to the penny. And why is this worse? Look at its constituents. There are things that are, quote, making new 52-week highs in multi-years, energy stocks, for instance, and certain metals and mining stocks, which are in the S&P. Small weightings, albeit, but still in it. And so this, which is so concentrated in the great winners, is the one that's most under pressure. Another way to say that this, how the mighty do fall, right? These are the, these are things that beat the market for months and years. And now, of course, it's the other side of that. They're the ones that are the most under pressure. Yeah, and what's interesting is, you know, people, it's, it's so funny to hear people talk, Carter. I'm just curious your thoughts on this. You know, we're in this oversold condition all of a sudden. I actually said it at the top of the show, and I understand why people say that. But for some reason, you really rarely hear the other side of that coin. And listen, again, the market was basically going up unabated 14, 15 months, maybe even longer than that. Nobody really talked about it. And now that we're down seemingly only since mid-December, early January, everybody seems to be a bit apoplectic as when is this going to end? Well, quite frankly, as long as we're in that uptrend pattern, theoretically, we could be in that same type of downtrend pattern. That's right. I would just say this, that markets are built to go up, right? More GDP, more children, mm-hmm. more factories. And so markets go up 70% of the time and 98% of the capital is long only, right? Shorting is still a very small part of the total complex. The big endowments and the big pension plans and biggest mutual funds, they're long. And so people are always looking for an oversold condition. But when it's straight up, they never say dot-com peak, for instance, or energy just two weeks ago. They never say it's overbought. They want to ride forever. That's the human condition. No, it's very interesting. And by the way, for you folks out there that have to the penny on your cards, congratulations. Check that one off. Next thing we have to look at, CBW, is the 10-year yields. And I got to tell you something. You know the way I feel about this. I am awe-stricken by the volatility we've seen in yields. Pretty remarkable since, well, I mean, going back a year or so, but specifically last summer, I guess. But, you know, here we are. We traded up to 2%, back down to 165. Now here we are well north of 2% into this. I'm not looking to bury the lead. Fed meeting, which quite frankly, I don't think necessarily is going to be market moving. We'll see what some of the commentary comes out of it. But here we are. Ten-year yields are telling a story. I don't think they're telling a story of growth. I think they're telling a story of inflation concerns. And I think that that paints a much different picture for the market. Well, that's right. So the eye wants to see, mine does, a head and shoulders bottom. And you can see that very much, in the red line there to some extent, the neckline. But if and as that were to be the case, and it were to complete itself, you're talking about rates at three and a quarter. Now, the stock market is not going to like that. There's no way around it, right? And so the real question is, is it a bullish reason that rates are because GDP is improving in prospects? Or is it what, Guy, you've suggested, perhaps something to do with inflation or bottlenecks in terms of goods and services, and not to mention geopolitics, which are causing problems, RE, materials, and inflation? Something bit more nefarious. I guarantee nobody had that on their card. But I'll say this, you know, I don't think it's coincidental 
that on days that the market's been rallying, you've also seen yields going higher. And I bring that up, Carter, quickly, your thoughts that, you know, I've thought for a while that if the market were to sell off in a precipitous fashion, you would see a flight to quality in the form of bonds, meaning yields would go down. And we saw exactly that over the last couple of weeks. Now that the market seemingly has got its footing back, you're seeing people now flee the bond market. In other words, yields are going back up. I'm just wondering if we both, well, I don't want to speak for you, but if I think a market sell-off is still coming, it stands to reason that you'd probably want to be, I would imagine, well, TLT is going to be your play here, right? I mean, it's going to be your play because long TLT means yields go back down. Well, that's right. And you're also getting spreads now, U.S. versus Europe and other sort of sovereign debt, that the spreads are wide. And this, at some point, Two, two, whatever the number is, will start to attract buyers because it's a pretty good yield. Now, obviously, inflation adjusted with the new inflation numbers, one would say it's not a good yield. But the real question is, are the inflation numbers temporary or are they more enduring? And no one has the answer to that. Nobody does without question. And that's why, you know, that's why we talk about the Fed as often as we do. And that's why we try to point these things out. There are some stocks, CBW, that are bouncing. Obviously, this one is news related. But Howard Schultz, not Charles, but Howard, making his a much ballyhooed comeback to Starbucks. And this is your chart. You have this downtrend line that given today's move, we are now trading through. Now, in terms of what it means, like this thing sort of doesn't make a lot of sense to me, Howard Schultz coming back. They seemingly had some people in the queue, as they say, to take over. I don't know what's going on. It seems like maybe things at Starbucks weren't going all that well. The chart would suggest exactly that. And maybe they needed Mr. Schultz to come back. You know, the guy that basically created the company to come back and put his hand back on the tiller. Right. So obviously news of this type, first of all, all big moves up or down are almost invariably news related, especially when you get a gap. And indeed, here we have news. But let's say we didn't know there was news. We would note what? There is a gap. And here's the other thing. Is it a meaningful trend line? You can connect any two points. (laughs) That's all I've done. So is it a real trend? Not really. You need three or maybe five. Then you could say to the penny, to the penny. So it's an arbitrary thing. And the point of drawing that line is it's a big move, but it doesn't really change the picture. And as testament of that, if we could look at the second chart, which is longer term, what you'll see here, so, I mean, you'd you'd have to get out your magnifying glass and say, okay, so exactly where is the, the big move today? I mean, it doesn't change a thing. Yes, and we can even, quote, discount the gap because it is news related. I would say this is not something to chase. Now, there are a lot of folks out there playing this game that say, God, please, guys, say toggle back. So you know what? Let's toggle back real quick and take a look, because I happen to agree with you. Nothing's changed other than this news. And I got to be honest with you. I mean, the problems that Starbucks has, not only on a valuation basis, but concerns with going on in China, one of their huge growth engines, have not gone away. Those concerns have not been assuaged, as they say. So I think this rally is going to be short-lived. It's going to be fascinating to see how this stock does into the close. I think there's a chance you give back a lot of today's gains, but that's just me. One of the other things we've talked about for a while now are some of these Chinese stocks, which have just been getting obliterated. They've had their worst, well, I mean, the the weeks they've had have been historic, but in terms of a single one-day move, I don't know if this is the best single one-day move ever, but it's got to be close. This looks hauntingly like that Starbucks chart that you just drew. But talk to me about this, CBW. Is this just a classic relief rally? 
So if you think about it, and we'll see it here on the chart, that the biggest one-day moves, and there's no way around this, right, come from one of two preconditions. It's something that's been down and down and down, like a Starbucks or an FXI, that has a then a counter-trend move. Or it's the exact opposite. The biggest one-day moves come from something that's really strong, think about oil, that has a blow-off type day or two, 1987. And so this is the latter, a big move from a heretofore weak security, stock, currency, commodity. But again, it's coming from a new low. Now, let's look at some of these in longer terms. So this is FXI. It's a very minor trend. If you look at the next chart, here too, you're like, okay, like, so what? If you look at the next chart, the only thing you can say is that at least, as this thing from Starbucks, this is below its 2016 low. And to that extent, you could say, all right, well, this is truly cataclysmic. This is at multi-tenure lows. And maybe, maybe, you know, today is the day that sets the low. And there are two ways to consider that. And we'll see it later. It's how heavy the volume is. And so my hunch is this will have some follow through, but it's a trade. Yeah, I agree with that. And it's interesting. You know, people say all the time there are no such things as triple tops. Well, with this chart, you've outlined that, in fact, that isn't the case. There are triple tops. And I'll tell you, this is important to look at. But the low we made back in early 2016 here seems to be hauntingly familiar to the low we basically put in over the last couple of days. So in a few weeks, months, whatever from now, we could be talking about those triple tops. We also might be talking about potential for a double bottom here. So it's something worth watching. I don't think we're going straight up here. I don't think you think that either. But maybe for the first time in a while, you have what we call a tradable bottom. And going to our next, you know, we're going to get a little granular here. Take a look at Alibaba because this has been in a significant downtrend since Halloween of 2020. I think the stock was making an all-time high at the time. Carter, you can speak to this. North of $300. I think that was right around the time that Mr. Ma sort of disappeared. And I don't think it's coincidental that the market's been made or Bob has been making a series of lower lows and lower highs. What's important here is yes. along the way, we have seen a number of significant bounces. You're talking about a stock that's probably 80% off or so it's all time high. But along the way, you've seen 20, 25, 35% bounces. And in the course of just one day today, you're seeing a 23% bounce off yesterday's close. That's right. So a couple of things to note. It always is remarkable how any instrument can trade within a channel. It's a great anathema to the CFA Society or the Federal Reserve Bank or the funny mentalists everywhere. You're like, this can't be, but it is. <laughs> and here's the thing. At some point, you do have counter-trends. Enron had them. Xerox had them. The question is, is this on its way to zero? Or at some point, is this going to find a low? We can try to determine that not by this chart, but if we look longer term. So if we keep the same channel, look at the next iteration, the next one, there's a little bit longer term. Let's look at the next one, a little bit longer term still. And so what we do note, of course, is this is, to some extent, like FXI, you're getting down to those 2015-16 lows. So do we trade it? I think you can trade it. But is this fixed? Is somehow we're going back to all-time highs. I mean, that's that's nothing to talk about. Don't ever talk about something like that when you're down this far. You just talk about, hey, over the next day or days, week or two, can we trade this? And which direction? I would say long. If we make some money, yes. 
I think that's the opportunity, right? And, you know, we had mentioned yesterday, you mentioned the importance of volume in our earlier chart. I think we were talking about the FXI, but the importance of volume here, you know, you have to take that into consideration as well. And why do I bring that up? Because if you go back and look, the spikes in volume have typically been on the days that it capitulates to the downside. You can just look at this chart and it's it. Listen, every picture tells a story, don't it, for you Rod Stewart fans out there. But you look at this chart and you look at the corresponding volume on the bottom of it, and you'll see when we bottomed out on big volume, we typically bounce. And that's where we're in the midst of here. I would submit, Carter, given the volume that we saw over the last couple of days, this bounce can take us north of, I don't know, 105 or so, and we would still be in a significant downtrend. I think that's exactly right. So you need heavy volume to define high turnover to define ultimately some sort of capitulation. There are people who have held all the way down. Today was the day they quit or yesterday. And then you have new buyers coming in. So can this go to 105 or even a bit more? The volume represents high turnover. And often that is a sign of exhaustion to the downside. If you look at the weekly chart, this is this next, it'll be one of the heaviest weeks on record. And of course, we're still early in the week. And so 105 is fair, maybe even a bit more. It's doable. It's tradable from the long side. That's exactly right. And that's what we're trying to point out here, these tradable opportunities. I mean, you know, we're not, we're not dogmatic in our views. I don't know if you have that on your bingo card. If you do, bully for you. Again, we're trying to point out opportunities both on the long and the short side. And CBW has brought an opportunity that he thinks is going higher from here. The company formerly known as Square now called Block, uh, you know, it's really not my thing, but who am I to cast dispersions? That might be on your card as well. Speak to me, Carter Worth, in terms of what you're seeing. Same beautiful fact set charts, same blue background, yellow prices. But notice that there's something different here about a Starbucks or an FXI, or said differently. Do you see that gap two weeks ago? Of course you do. That's what Starbucks and FXI are doing now. This one did it two weeks ago. And so the risk of something that gaps up is that it falls back, as Square has. But then after it falls back and starts to reassert itself again, it's a much more enduring sort of entry point. So if you look at this trend, it is a well-defined trend with multi-touch points. And if you draw the lines another way, look at the next chart, this has all the elements of a minor bearish to bullish reversal of a head and shoulders bottom. So if we pull this back even further keep the same annotations, look at the longer term chart and look exactly where it's finding support, right at a level of support. It's finding support at its pre-pandemic high, you can see it there, from which it crashed, made its march low. So it's a head and shoulders bottom. It found support exactly at a level of support. And three, it has moved above the downtrend line that's been in effect for the past six months. Uh, This is very interesting alongside I'd be aggressive. I agree with you. And if you go back to the prior chart, I won't use the word that begins with a T and ends in an E, but you look at this, you say, okay, I've watched Carter long enough. I've seen market call. These guys talk about measured moves. What's the measured move off this? And just eyeballing it here, you're probably talking about a stock that has room to about a buck 50 or so. Nothing's been fixed. Quite frankly, nothing's changed in terms of the fundamentals of this company. The only thing that's changed is that people who didn't care about valuations four months ago are seemingly caring about them now. So as Carter says, the fundamentals or the funny mentals or I don't want to put words in your mouth. I mean, those haven't changed, but there's been a change in sentiment. And quite frankly, you know, 150 is not out of the question here for trading opportunity, given what Carter's pointing out. 
Well, interestingly, guy, the smoothing mechanism, the 150-day moving average comes into play higher. But if you look out over three, five, seven weeks, the 150-day moving average is declining quickly, and it will come into play at around 155. I think that's look a at that. price objective. We didn't, can I tell you something, folks? We don't rehearse this stuff. No, we, we, don't do, we don't do a walkthrough prior to the show. We show up a few minutes before. We chat. We make fun of Mike Cavino. We talk baseball, and then we get right into it. So if you think this stuff is scripted, you're R-O-N-G wrong, and I guarantee that's on somebody's bingo card. What's been right, Carter, has been some of these defense stocks. And we want to sort of look at Lockheed Martin and Boeing and try to figure out what's going on here because I think it's pretty interesting. The first one we have is LMT, that's Lockheed Martin, versus Boeing. And this goes back a ways, but take a look. Obviously, Boeing's problems, I'm not suggesting they've been Lockheed Martin's gains, but you know, Boeing, a lot of these things have been self-inflicted. Obviously, COVID didn't help. Boeing's been on the mat. Lockheed Martin, for obvious reasons, has not been on the mat. LMT going higher. What's interesting, though, each stock is up 45% in the past two years. It's incredible. The paths that we got there are much different, but effectively the same thing. That's exactly right. And so one could say, well, you can change the time frame at 18 months, 16, to get the number to be exactly the same. But this is just a two-year chart. Didn't change it, manipulate it. And the crazy thing is they are exactly up the same amount, but the paths travel for completely different directions. And I think we have individual charts. Of each. There we do. Let's, let's take a crack at it. So LMT. Now, this is no different than what's just happened to crude or to mm-hmm. some extent what's happened to gold. After breaking out, quite often you'll fall back to the level from which you broke out. Now, what, we're into support, the first line, but you can sink further into support. The bottom line, my seat, though, is, is this weakness to take advantage of or weakness to stay away from? And I think it's the former. It's a dip to support where one will be right, well-served, I think, to add to longs. I agree with that. And just to echo those sentiments, I mean, you can make, in terms of valuation, Lockheed Martin is not an expensive stock. It wasn't an expensive stock a few months ago. And quite frankly, even with that huge run-up, it wasn't really an expensive stock on valuation. The problem, obviously, to Carter's point is you had one of these parabolic moves blow off tops, and now it's just basically correcting itself. It's figuring out. I think it's trying to find a floor. I will tell you, I'm with Carter on this one. I think you're going to find a floor, and I think there's going to be a new round higher. The same way, by the way, it's Carter mentioned, the same thing's going on in crude oil. Had that parabolic move, blow off top. Everybody's talking about it. Has done a back and fill, but I think there's going to be another leg higher there as well. We'll see, but I'm with you. I think you buy Lockheed Martin here for a trade, and quite frankly, I think you're looking for it to take out the recent highs we saw. Flip side of that coin recently has been Boeing, which has just been an awful stock, and, and Carter's drawn the lines. As he would like to say, these lines draw themselves. They typically do, but you can see the points. I mean, the down arrows suggest you know we've gotten up to a top of the downtrend. And the up arrow suggests we got to the bottom of that same channel, that same downtrend channel. Now, I'm with Carter on this one as well. I think you could see a tradable bounce here and still be in this downtrend from March of 2021, basically this time last year. That's right. This is a trade. I mean, so there is this thought that Boeing, my gosh, it's the great Boeing. I mean, there's never going to be, basically, it's a duopoly. Who's going to ride on the airplane that Guy and I built Nobody, right? I mean, the point is that they've got this market themselves with one other, maybe two other players. And so 
it's the great Boeing, but the truth is they're sunk in debt, right? And while that's fundamentals, it's just about trying to make money. Can we trade this on the long side, play it for the upper band? I think you can. As to will Boeing be the great Boeing it was, forget all that. Just try to make some money. That's exactly right. You know, and, and I agree with Carter on everything he says I agree with, by the way. And to a certain extent, when you're trading, a lot of these just things become letters and numbers. And, and I'm not trying to be glib here, but, you know, Boeing, these, the letters are BA. And then you look at the chart and then you start to figure out how can I trade this on the back of it? Don't get bogged down necessarily on some of the things in the weeds things as much as you get sort of look at what's in your front of you, look at what's staring you in the face. And do I have an opportunity here? The woes of Boeing have not been stopped, have not been fixed. And quite frankly, I still think we're in this down channel. But as we say all the time, and as Carter will tell you, some of the most powerful moves to the upside take place in markets that are heading lower. And that's what I think what we're seeing here, Carter. That's exactly right. I mean, in, in a day like today where it's indiscriminate, I mean, does Starbucks, is it really because of China or China because of China or Boeing? You know, look at the airlines. They move around. Look at the hotels. It's COVID's gone. COVID's back. Gone. It's not. It's usually better to stay away from the headlines. Trade your patterns. It's not infallible, but it's a whole lot better than the funny ones. So Eddie Trevino, again, we mentioned his brother Lee, I think, yesterday, but he's back with us today. Thanks again for joining us, Eddie. He asked about XLE. What do I think? We don't have a chart, so I'm not going to ask to pull it up. But what I do think is, you know, we talked about crude. Parabolic move higher. XLE obviously got ahead of itself. You know, I think we're in the midst of this sort of back and fill. There might be a little more room to the downside, but I think you can absolutely reload on LXE at these levels. OIH, by the way, if you want to know, I'll throw that one in just for good measure. You know, 245, 250 on the downside is going to be huge support. And he also asked, and this is, this is for you, Carter, and I think I'm going to know your answer, but maybe I'll be wrong. What would you rather buy today, oil or gold? Right. So I'm in the gold camp versus those two. The thing about oil, let's just put this in context. Russia, all in accounts for what? Eight to 10% of global output. But oil essentially went from 92 to 130, up whatever that is, 30, 40%, or even more. It would basically double from its low of six months ago at 65. At some point, you have demand destruction. And at some point, you, you can replace this stuff. Gold's not in either of those camps. You, you can't replace this stuff. And there is no demand destruction. I think gold is the one to own here versus oil. I agree with you. And before we Audi 5000, as they say, guaranteed that's on somebody's card, the 800-pound gorilla is obviously what's going on with the... Well, first, my first question, and I think I know the answer to this, is it at all market moving, assuming that they don't say anything out of the realm of normalcy? I mean, you know, it's, it's such a different world. I mean, guy, we're, you know, 55 plus. I mean, think it used to be the Federal Reserve did their work and they didn't talk to the public. They didn't give you the pre-announcement of announcement. And they said, we'll give you a little 25, take it. They just said, hey, today's the day. And guess what? You're up 50, town 75. This notion that they're so afraid of the market and so afraid of the public, they have to creep along. It's bizarre. The real question is, to your question, is a move that's so well telegraphed as this already priced in? I would think so. Yeah, I definitely think it's priced in the bond market. I don't know, and that's what we try to figure out, if it's priced in the equity market, we'll see. You know, people will say that the equity market, everything's priced in. Well, not necessarily. I mean, the Federal Reserve had your back for years, and you could have said that was all priced in, but the market went up seemingly every day, with exceptions of a here and there for a 10-year period. So 
when the Fed changes course and they no longer are backstopping or underwriting this market, you know, there's this saying, David Tepper makes it very, very clear. A lot of people follow his lead. Don't fight the Fed. And historically, Carter, he said that when the Fed is being accommodative and adding liquidity to the system. And if you're bearish under those circumstances, you're effectively fighting the Federal Reserve. All right, I'll give you that. But if the Fed has done a pivot, a complete 180, and they're no longer adding liquidity, but they're going to start to take it out, if you are bullish under that scenario, you're doing the exact same thing. You are fighting the Federal Reserve. Am I making any sense whatsoever? I mean, it's, it's the reciprocal. It's the correlative. Exactly right. And it's not just the Fed, it's central banks globally. And so if we are in a, a so-called tightening cycle, it gets down to this for the market to go higher. In an environment like this, where earnings have been great, the comps are hard, and now input costs are higher, how do you get earnings growth or multiple expansion or some form of, of, of both to advance the market? It just doesn't add up. I'm with you, Carter. And listen, I said 30 minutes on the clock. I got that Rain Man thing because right here I'm thinking it's 1.30 on the screws, as they say. So that's it for today's market call. Thank you, Carter. By the way, just so you folks know, Carter is on vacation with his family in Utah, but he carved out time to be with us with his bison, by the way, not buffalo bison, which is a whole nother conversation. And I want to thank our sponsors, of course, FactSet and Open Exchange. Check this out, peeps. I'll be back tomorrow. Now, I know it's a big day for a lot of you people tomorrow. I get it, St. Patrick's Day, but at 1 p.m. tomorrow, EY from SoFi will be joining just the two of us. No Dan Nathan. That's going to be off the reservation. See you then.